Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the review panel for the fall season. Lovely to see you all. I'm sure... <laughs> I know as a member of the great public, if I was given the choice between a stimulating, riveting debate about contemporary art and the possibility of taking a cycle, round, cycle ride around the park in one of the last sunny days of the summer, I'd be torn as to which to choose. So I'm therefore um, both gratified and flattered to see um, a, a fulsome audience this evening. Um, so, sorry to get going a little late. Um, unfortunately, it uh, was bound to happen at some point, uh, but is in fact the first time it has happened in 11 years. Uh, a, a panelist, um, seemed to be double scheduled and uh, wasn't able to join us. So um, instead of the lady in the white uh, designer jacket, um, we have the, the gentleman in the, uh, the rugged <laughs> hipster attire. Hipster. Hipster attire, is that, is that fair? No, just the rugged. Hipster's a pejorative. Man about town attire, Noah Dillon. Uh, Noah Dillon is my associate editor at artcritical.com and he is uh, a writer and an artist. And Karen Jones, Karen E. Jones, is an independent curator. She teaches art history at City College and she is a prolific uh, critic. Um, she curated a show, um, Archive Bound, of avant-garde artist books and, and ephemera at the Center for Book Arts, and the catalog is forthcoming um, later this year, early next year, with um, various contributors, including Sarah Valdez, a sometime member of the review panel. And finally, Ken Johnson, who's art critic for the New York Times uh, and author of Are You Experienced? A book on um, psychedelic about a book about exploring the intersections of art and psychedelic experience. And he's working on a book on humor. Um, it's, uh, it's not due imminently. No punchline has suggested itself as yet. Ladies and gentlemen, and myself, I'm David Cohen, publisher and editor of artcritical.com. So welcome. Now, um, anybody here for the first time at the review panel? Is this is Fabulous, welcome, lovely to see you for your benefit and also just to refresh the memories of the rest of us. Uh, the review panel is a forum where we've been out to see four exhibitions, three exhibitions and one installation project ar around the boroughs of Manhattan and Brooklyn. And we, the panel, uh, will be discussing them one by one. So what we do is we have some nice video that gives us a feeling of uh, being in those shows. We'll look at the first two shows that we're looking at this evening, uh, which are Rashid Johnson, Fly Away at Hauser and Wirth, and A.L. Steiner, 30 Days of Mourning uh, at Koenig and Clinton Galleries. The panel will discuss those shows. The audience will then be invited to chip in with questions and comments, and then we repeat the exercise for the, the final two exhibitions um, of Eve Ashheim and Lauren Clay. So, Rashid Johnson, A.L. Steiner, dealing with 
art that deals with big issues um, and does so in different ways. Um, Rashid Johnson, um, perhaps the more conventionally uh, sumptuous, visually engaging of the two, um, it could be argued, but we'll consider the merits of the two shows one by one. Um, what, what's really going, what, what, what is the mood, the tenor of, of uh, Johnson's show, would you say, Karen? Well, I think it's a hugely ambitious project. The mere scale of the gallery itself is daunting for any artist to be able to undertake. But it's ironic that Johnson utilizes these ephemerals, Artie Pavora, um, you know, inf um, unexpected materials, uh, organic materials, plant life, mirrors, ceramic tiles, and he's able to assemble them in um, sort of monumental scaffolding, but uh, the actual um, application of like the black soap or the use of the, um, the uh, shea butter is like, you know, it's just very counterintuitive. So I think he's really achieved a an amazing effect uh, with the type of materials he utilized in that space and also the activation of the space uh, with the jazz performer that comes in periodically during the space. Uh, it's really making the space sort of like a living sculpture. So I think he actually achieved a lot. Yeah, um, that central, I'm not going to, I almost did it myself, but the, the central structure which has all the plants and the books on it, uh, actually, that cage-like um, uh, grid, you, one could walk inside of it. You, know, you, the audience, can't, but it's possible for a person to walk inside of it and play a piano, an upright piano that's lodged in there. And indeed, it was going full swing uh, in uh, the opening. Um, Karen's made a very interesting point there, uh, Ken, about the the intimidating scale as well as the great opportunities that Hauser and Wirth in that space offers an artist. It's a space that has been a, uh, uh, a ice, uh, has been a rollerblade disco in, in the past as well as various industrial functions. It's, uh, it's a, a the definition of a kind of uh, a theatrical space. It, it almost reminds one of the Turbine Hall and its uh, intimidating, intimidatory character, the Turbine Hall at Tate Modern in, in London. Um, and some artists fail in it and others you see kind of rising to the challenges of a certain kind of theatricality. Um, do, do you feel that this, is, uh, this show is true to what Johnson is about? And do you feel that, um, uh, that the, the theatricality of the space has, has lent itself well to his project? Well, it is divided up into separate galleries. So you have, you know, the tile with the faces on it, panels, and then each each series gets its own uh, separate room. That's true. So it doesn't feel like, yeah, uh, you know, you're not overwhelmed by the actual scale of the. Yeah, space and the walls aren't I mean, there. it's a beautifully adaptable space, definitely, museum-like. Uh, yeah, and I don't know, you know, who, who I suppose, uh, he conferred together to, to, to figure out how to divide it up. But, um, but I don't understand your question. 
whether whether the I should say that it's it, I was there this afternoon and the the pianist Antoine what's his name his last name does anybody remember his jazz pianist classically cha trained jazz pianist was playing oh lucky when you. I was there oh. it's beautiful yes yeah um, it's too bad the video doesn't doesn't no, the, that, the day um, the videographer was there. Yeah, and I think to add to what Ken just said about the museum sort of um, almost structure of the space, the way it was divided up into distinct gap categories, I think Johnson built so much on this black and white tile um, opening piece of these repetitive images, very art brute, and then you move into the more colorful, reflective, plant-like, you know, and you have a type of bird's eye view of these um, figures uh, and this really sort of a monumental uh, carpet with these shea butter, you know, uh, configurations. And then you move into this grand scaffolding structure that has plant life, stacks of books, this area where the piano um, is situated. And, and some videos playing as well. the way you move through the gallery mm -hmm. really builds up, you know, to this final piece that is, you know, really um, spectacular. Yeah. Uh, but combining, you know, low materials, um, defunct technologies, you know, reading materials, organic life. I think it's just really an amazing achievement. Yes, yes. So it's a, there's a sequence then that, that really, I mean, it works. The taxonomy of this show builds up does it build up to a uh, purely visual experience, or is there is there a, a, a narrative that unfolds to some extent? Do you have any feeling on that score, Noah? Well, you know, uh, the narrative didn't do anything for me th the first half of it. Like the those tile pieces didn't really do anything for me. The collages with the poured soap and the um, floral imagery didn't really do anything for me. What really excited me was the, uh, you know, the interactive space in that back room. And to a great extent, like that beautiful table with the shea butter blocks. Mm -hmm. that, um, and I don't know why that is. I kind of was suspicious that, like, uh, this installation is where all these signifiers just get sort of, like, put together and get to interact with each other in a very sort of dynamic way, or if there's just so much more there intrinsically, and I don't know how to, I don't think I'm articulating that very well. No, I, I, I think you are, because I, I totally, it, it corresponds with, with my feeling, which is that the, the, the structure, um, it's, I've got my uh, thing here, okay, uh, my checklist didn't load it up yet. Uh, the, the structure, is really um, that that scaffold structure? Uh, does, does anyone know its name? Um, uh, I, I, I think yeah. I Here it is. The the scaffold structure, which is called uh, yeah, which is called um, untitled escape collage. Yes, the untitled escape collage. No, wrong. Sorry, the um, Antoine's organ. It's called. Ah, there's Antoine. That's that's uh, Antoine's that's organ. Antoine's organ. Um, I'm I'm sure it's not a, a pun at all. Uh, it's um, right. It's about uh, yeah. It's 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 black steel, grow lights, plants, wood, shea butter, books, monitors, rugs, piano. Unique, unique is true. I mean, I I I can believe it's unique. But it's also it's more than unique. Um, 
unless you are uh, one of about three collectors in the world, it's not a collector's item. It's uh, it's it's an experience item. And whereas the rest of the show, uh, even though the works are big um, and are not for everybody's mantelpiece, um, are objects for collection uh, uh, for, uh, on the on the art market. Um, and and it just felt actually that the the sense of um, experience, theatre, um, the, the sense of ownership that one has, because it's not for sale, as a visitor to that space, I think is, is part of what contributes, as well as the, um, just the intensity and the focus and the concentration of Antoine's organ compared to maybe some of the other pieces. So uh, that's, that is, I think, the, the Holy of Holies. That's the core of this, this show. Does that, uh, does that tally with your... Well, I, uh, I was thinking about the tile pieces, um, the, the, the black and white ones, and you have these faces that are uh, made in, they're sort of mask-like, they look sort of cra in, crazed, yes. cartoon-like faces made of uh, what turns out to be, I didn't know what it was initially, it turns out to be some, uh, a kind of soap that has some cultural significance. That's been melted down, and then it looks like tar. Looks like shit too. Mm. So I mean that literally. That yeah. uh, on on. So you have this white grid that's sort of pure. The kind of walls that people uh, favor in bathrooms because they can be cleaned off, and then yeah. you have this this kind of besmirching of it. Yes, um, and. It's 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 like it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Once. Once, but then you've got a whole room full of them. Yeah. So each person. Um, yeah. Um. But I think the the and that's where I maybe where Noah feels like like not totally won over because it starts the repetition of starts to look like product. Well, I felt the same way when I walked in, and I was like, this is a huge space, and I'm mm. walking into this monumental, you know, uh, constellation of these black grids of tile with, I ha I obviously, the tile and the material. First of all, there's a scatological reference, because you think mm. of tile, and you think of a bathroom. Then you think of the idea of, like, chocolate, like Didier Roth, you know, and then there's this entropic, uh, smearing of this mm. material and this, you know, constant repetition of these faces and it's, you see that and you're sort of stunned by it and you're like, I hope this doesn't go on. Uh -huh. And then you progress, mm. you progress into this more yeah. colorful, organic, you know, this sculpture with the shea butter and this like oriental rug, this mirroring effect and this plant life and it's like, it's a breath of air. And then right. you go into sort of the grand opus and you see the scaffolding with, you know, the organ and then all of these, you know, informative materials, the stacks of books, they're there placed very strategically, um, you know, with this content that's, you know, quite relevant to um, the materials that he's using. And also, as David, you said, who's going to take ownership of this piece? I think of like Paula Haynes and her, um, you know, plant sculptures. Yes. Who's going to be able to maintain this? So it has to be either an institution, an really. institution, so mm. or 
a temporary event, ephemeral. It's ephemeral, but it's also mm. like, it's, it's interesting that there's kind of, um, it could be either mm. or. But it's sacrosanct, either way, either extreme makes it sacrosanct from the market. And that's precisely, I think, the problem some of us have with the, especially the first room, that it feels like a gallery full of uh, a, pro a product, uh, a line of doing things. But the, 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 the soap itself, can you see mm. that it's on the tile? All it would need is just like a hosing and oh. it would be gone. Oh, I'm sure he's worked with a good conservationist. I'm sure it can be, uh, I'm sure it can be, I'm sure with the price tag that's on them, it's, uh, it's got a better shelf life than that, don't you think? He, he, he right, but embedded within the material, there's an ephemeral nature to it. A, f a fragile nature. Well, there's a fragile nature to paint as well, in a way, isn't there? But this is soap. It's actually soap on tile. A friend of mine reminded me of a show of his that she had seen when she first moved to New York, and he had a lot of plants there, and they all sort of died throughout the course of the exhibition. And right. how much she thought of the growth between then and this, and the sort of natural transition, and how those tile images don't really fit. I mean, they fit in like, you know, like he's been using the soap in the past, but like it doesn't seem to fit. Yeah. He calls the soap, um, I think, cosmic sludge. Is that the expression he's used for it in the past? It's boiled down and then then applied, and then there's a kind of scraffito that gets those faces and marks into it. It, it immediately reminded me of De Buffet, and it has yes. a real kind of art brute. Uh, but can I ask you guys, did you buy the anxiety of those scratching marks and the... No, it seemed like a faux art yeah, brute. It seemed really performative to me. Whereas, like, with the... There's a whole room of them Installation, as well. it, it feels... That, that I feel, mm. him and his anxiety, like, you know, you present the viewer with a bunch of books that have the title sell out, like, it's really hard to... I think that um, the anxiety comes through like the perpetual repetition. It's mm -hmm. like this repetition effect that um, I could see the anxiety read into, in um, the rawness of the um, of the images themselves, and mm -hmm. the entropic sense um, built into the images. I was uh, at the Museum of Modern Art yesterday. They have a really great Basquiat painting on one at the top of one es it's escalator. It's a great painting. And I was thinking, what's, you know, it's a similar kind of caricature of, of a kind of um, black face. Mm. That, no? I know the piece, but I thought what was interesting about the piece was the, uh, talking about the Xerox, the color Xerox pieces it's that it's are It's a big piece, but, but my p my the thing I wanted to say was you feel when you're looking at Basquiat like you're with him thinking. You feel like his mind is a buzz. And <coughs> with with this, I don't feel that in the, the white. The we're just talking about the white tile pieces. Yeah. I feel like there's a concept, and then it's executed. I think it's conceptual. I agree. Mm. But, I I need, but it, it could have. But the, the but that's where the that's where I wonder. Mm. You know, like it, it is in a way. It's so loaded in this symbolic way. So hugely loaded. Uh, you know, there's like the, the savage and the s civilization of the grid versus the this notion of some kind of underground muck out of which the uh, uh, these figures emerge. Mm. I sort of like, he, you know, he presents it to, to you and you can think about it, but I sort of don't know, what does he think about it? Mm. Well, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think that there are, 
as we say, if we, if we were looking at one, or if we do think of them as a package, that yeah, if, if, they if, are, if, if he, if, if he made one and then went on and s and and it evolved, then you'd start to see think his uh, progressive right. Thinking. They're not going to evolve, but well, so I think but that's th what the whole installation right. is constitutes. But I don't, I don't think it's an installation. In the, I, mean, I mean, I think there's an installation and installation. The the thing in the back, the uh, Antoine's organ, is his installation his sculptural piece that uses installation as its art form. What, what we have in the front is, the, is Hauser and Wirth's in installation, their hang of but some the, but I think the problem is he tends to think in sort of obvious dualities, like, mm. uh, sorry, I'm not supposed to point at that, but the, right. the sort of, yeah. you know, the tropical and then the, 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 the urban. again, the besmirching of the tropical or, or the in, you know, just talking about ideas of escape. So, they're really interesting, really loaded ideas, but it's almost like he thinks like an art director more than an artist, or like a designer. Mm. You know, and it's very sophisticated. That's, I think, I yeah, that's, that's why I, I... The first thing I thought of with, uh, with, the, with, of the, with the plant the thing is, is, I wonder if he, was if he thought of Jeff Koons' uh, floral puppy. Mm. Ah, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a floral organ. Yeah. Well, maybe I think we're in agreement that, you know, it, the um, exhibition, as you move through it, mm. really um, it builds better on better. itself and improves yeah. in a sense. But I think, um, you know, I'm taking it as a whole, as an installation, yeah. because I feel like the artist had a big part to play in how um, the different galleries oh, were sure. arranged. Oh, sure. But I just feel actually that he could have made... an. Uh, it could have been one piece with those masks in the in the front room, and and somehow actually if it, if if there was a structure and you went in and it was something in which it was a continuous freeze of those, then it then there wouldn't be the problem of there not being a development from one to the other because it will be a sing it would have been a singular experience in the same way that Antoine's organ was. So. Um, but I, I, I think we're, we're covering some really interesting territory, but we're sort of leaving in abeyance the notion that it's heavily laden with symbolism. Let's actually say, let's unpackage what that symbolism is and see if we feel that it's successfully... Well, I just wanted laid. to say the, the, the ones that kind of interested me more were the, the upside-down the, the upside figures that look like Leo, Lego men mm. made of uh, tile or, or mirrors, because... I didn't actually n quite know what that was. I didn't immediately go, oh, black and white or, or tropical or the, the theme didn't... Yes, didn't bash you over the head with its obviousness. Yeah, right. I well, you said it that way, but... Yes. Uh, I didn't really know what to make of those either. I kind of... That's I what I liked about them. It, it yeah. yeah. I couldn't help but think about them as, um, you know, that famous image of the falling man who jumped out of the World Trade Center? Oh. Um, there's Windows a falling the man world. in tarot cards. Uh, oh yeah, that's true too. Yeah. I never knew quite what it meant, but I didn't know. Could it? Is it like the fall of the white man, or the fall of the corporate man, or uh, I don't know. Uh, I saw it as sort of like these kind of bird's eye view Aztec sand drawings, and I saw this kind of reflective mirroring of the viewer, yeah. whatever their subject position may be. Mm -hmm reflected in the tiles and then sort of brought in with the plant material. And I thought that was, you know, that combination, that collage combination was quite powerful. Mm -hmm. you know? So, but David, you're, you're, you want us to, to 
grapple with the, y- the yeah. that it's about race and racism. Um, well, or whatever it is about. Um, I mean, uh, uh, clearly it's about it's about race, but um, uh, with Antoine's organ, it which it then makes me think like. Here, this is like one of the highest of the highest end galleries in the world. Right. So there's some kind of achievement. (coughs) I mean, what does it mean when Uh, they... hmm? Yes, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. They've given over their space to... I mean, having a a black man in the White House was nothing compared to having (laughs) Rashid Johnson in Hauser and Worth. Right, absolutely. That's the real uh, breakthrough. Yeah, that's the real glass ceiling. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Who are you mocking? Th- uh, no, I'm not mocking anyone. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, uh, a shameless whore who wanted the audience to laugh for a moment. Um, but um, no, no, I, I'm not mocking anything. I'm, j- I'm, I'm just... Uh, uh, okay, so... Um, so, I mean, the racial aspects I don't think come clearly through until they're very literal in the piles of books that are in the scaffolding in the last mm. piece. I mean, anything that's sort of read into... The imagery and the materials, I think there's there are connotations, but yes. until you get to the last, you know, mm. monumental piece, like race isn't, um, you know, it isn't obviously stated, isn't didn't really. I stated. thought it was it's not didactically stated. Oh, I thought yeah. it was almost more didactically Actually stated. Actually, the, 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 uh, the press release suggests that that the these the fields of of black faces in some cases are missing. And that that's an allusion to <coughs> uh, s- slaves who died, murder, or right. uh-huh. where yeah. the fields in, in the first ceramics, because th- those are incredibly like geometric and mm. in order. There's, there, I didn't see any missing faces. Oh, there were, oh no, there was there's some. There's a geometric no, no. structure. Uh, in the in the black faces of in soap on the white things. Yes, in the in the first room, you can see yeah. they're that's missing right. in some places. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And um, that's what the gallery said? Well, don't worry about what the Press gallery said. Press release, yeah. sort of. <laughs> let's, let's not go let's there. Not. But, it, but it's obviously a decisive oh. uh, thing. The, the way I read it, I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, the series um, Untitled I just saw, I Anxious Audience. I saw the seriality audience. embedded in that, and that sort of yeah. just kind of... There, there are gaps, definitely. You know, psychological and repetition. Mm. And I also mm. thought of Ellen Gallagher a little bit, yeah, too, when definitely. I saw that. Yeah. You know, um, but this is like repetition compulsion. But it also made me think of the the sort of the sardine like uh, you know the the slave ships and therefore you know the missing births of. There's also like a really per- like I see like a really personal, particular element in here. I mean like he's he's got a structure in the back um, with books stacked up that say sell out. Like yeah. a young artist is definitely going to be anxious about being in a gigantic gallery, having to put on a huge show in that gigantic space. And, you know, like, um, uh, to me, those cast the sort of repetitious uh, uh, paintings in a different light of, you know, wanting to produce a lot of work mm. and selling out a show. Yeah. Um, I mean, those two things, uh, uh, beyond and apart from just, like, um, issues of uh, race defined more broadly, like, those two mm. very personal yeah. issues seem really important. Yeah, like, the Matthew Day Jackson, uh, they gave him the gallery at oh a yeah. year or two ago, and, and a lot of critics said it was the worst show <laughs> of the year. It was like... It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a uh, point, it's a double-edged sword. Well, I guess what that we're that saying yeah. about that yeah. first space and those, you know, pieces are 
objects that are, you know, obviously um, made to move in the market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right. without that first gallery, you couldn't have the last gallery. Yes. And, right. I mean... Or at least that's what the suspicion is going to always... Or the... the well, there's some... I mean, there has to be... You know, recognize there's a complicity as well. So, mm. I mean... One of the books is called The Sellout. Yeah, that's stacked up by Paul Beatty. Right. I, I think, actually, the, 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 the status of those books, I mean, I, the fact that there was a stack of them, I, I momentarily thought, ah, that's, it, it's interactive, it's kind of relational aesthetics, I, I can take a copy home, I would be interested to read it. But then, of course, I realized, no, it's like a Heim Steinbeck, it's, it's making a sort of aesthetic statement from this multiplicity of them. But in Which theory, is a it familiar could be like a Felix Gonzalez Torres, where you yeah. really could just take a book. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, that would be so. Steal this book. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be subjects that I felt I should be reading about. Um, and I think it might be a good segue. But it's a familiar device because Carol Bovey does yes. did that a lot too. You know, take certain kind of significant books. Yes, or Martha Rossler, or any number of uh, people. Can I always wonder about that because I, I always think artists actually probably don't read. They just, but they like to have the books around. Oh well, I that disagree. that's that's your generation. That's uh, I, I think I think it's uh, shifted now. They, uh, in your generation, artists drew, but they didn't read, and then uh, and now well there's a younger you generation that reads and doesn't draw. So we're, we're moving. You're calling progress. me but old? What are you saying? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I mean, I mean, our generation. I should Can say. I just no, I there is something really nice about the tactility of this show. Yeah. The 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 contrast of those tiles and the soap and the shea butter and that beautiful table and the mm. the uh, uh, carpet on top of it mm. and the plants and you had to like you know mess with the TV a little bit to like yeah. listen to the and th I just I thought that was really he's a really good designer yeah and I see think also that the scaffolding itself what were the books themselves and that was sort of a mm. point of departure mm -hmm. for the entire exhibition and I think that yeah. uh, you know he r really led me to want to read those books as well yeah. or some of them I, I was familiar with but I think those were the grounding elements of the show itself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He'd have had that effect on me and, and also wanted me to take better care of my plants. <laughs> I, I think that uh, the, the, the component, the literary component is a good segue to our next show, um, A.L. Steiner, because um, uh, there too we have a kind of a tantalizing um, presence but elusiveness of text in that the artist is, uh, is, is reading from text from her, from her Kindle. I, I haven't been able to fully gather whether it's going to be the same text that I heard her reading repeated through the show or whether it's the reading list of what she happens to want to read herself at the moment. Um, but um, I, I get the, Im I mean, certainly I think the... One book that they told me. It's going to be the same book, the Dennis... Um, by someone named Derek Jensen. Derek Jensen, yes, the, the myth of human supremacy. Is yes, that what it's called? That was yeah. It. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I was inspired to go and look at it in, in my local bookshop and... Um, and, and I, I, I heard some good bits of it uh, from from Amy. I'm um, first on my first visit, uh, and then and then on the which was with uh, the videographer. But then on a subsequent visit, where I took my dog, she was uh, reading a passage about squirrels, and um, <laughs> that seemed to, that seemed to like yeah. Uh, but um, it's it's uh, th there. I think there's the the the, the integration of certainly that text and the the feeling of the show is perhaps um, more overt. 
Um, but at the same time, actually, the, the difficulty you as, as an audience in this room might have had picking up her voice from uh, the, the video uh, is not that much worse than actually being there. It's pretty difficult to hear what she's saying, reading, and she does, doesn't read with a great deal of um, uh, emotion. It's in fact, it's kind of rattled off, rather, um, as a sort of token presence somehow, I, I felt. But, but um, and she was reading from a Kindle? From a, her... Kindle, a device. a device of some sort, yes, yes, which is kind of interesting as well uh, when you consider the the eco kind of implications and of the show. The, the presence of the artist in the space, yeah, you the know, not as present. a spectacle, mm. but sort of as you know, an inf someone who's performing a text. Mm -hmm. Yes, but not not very well. I mean, it, it, it might have been uh, we might have got more of the text. If I mean, I'm sure the book's available as an audio book, so um, she could have got maybe permission and, and had the author reading it or an actor reading it, um, and the, the the text would have been audible or, or more, more, more palatable. The main, the main so it's more of a tokenistic thing yeah, of me, the artist. I think also the idea is about labor, the artist's yes. labor, and she so wanted laborious, to be present to be, to be doing mm. the labor within the gallery. Yeah. You know, I think that was an yeah. element of the piece. Because this is a key factor, isn't it, uh, uh, with, with this Well, have we explained what... Let's explain. The basic one yes. of the basic concepts basic is concepts. that the gallery's only... Op she got the gallery to agree that with her concept for the show, which was the gallery will only be open for four hours a day. Uh, 12 till four. And the workers will only work four hours a day. Yeah. And that's in the service of a, of an I of a general idea that humans should slow down, stop working so hard, stop altering the world so much. Yeah, uh, a noble principle. Mm -hmm. And start with that most exploited of groups, the, the gallery worker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, <laughs> I've been, this, this has Don't become, this, this is a, like a trendy idea that, the, the yeah. that human su supremacy, you know, we're no, humans are no better it's than rocks, you know, that rocks have consciousness. Yes. This is like th this whole new theory of mm -hmm. speculative realism or, or, or object-oriented ontology and I find it annoying <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean uh, humans obviously are distinctly different from any other kind of entity that we know of in the universe from a human point of view yes <laughs> I mean a rhinoceros may not think humans and dogs are that different So, I mean, it's, it's... But who cares what a rhinoceros well, thinks, right? <laughs> we don't care, but they Rhinoceros do. doesn't think about that. That's well, right. I think she has this mm. eco-critique, and built mm. into this eco-critique, that's, you know, this more universal, like, global warming, she thinks that this participation of, like, overproduction is part of the problem. But she begins to critique, you know, at the level of the gallery. And so the idea of also this complicity with the gallery in closing the space and like changing the flow of production and the input of labor and also the artist as like a cultural laborer or producer. She's sort of deconstructing and exposing that mm -hmm. in the way she's organized the installation of the exhibition. So the installation isn't prefab. It's not something that you take wholesale from 
the mm. studio and plunk into the gallery. Right. She's showing the viewer sort of uh, over the course of the exhibition, you know, how an exhibition, an artist can construct um, their work within the space and the, and, and the viewer participates in that. Yeah, I think, there I mean, I, it sounded like I was mocking her endeavor, but I think there's a, at, at its core an ability to it. Um, and because, which is that, I mean, so many artists um, preach or grandstand on the big issues of the day in beautiful works that are for sale from 10 till 6 at a gallery. And, and by actually starting with herself and her own uh, exhibition and, and cultural situation and saying, you know, it has to start somewhere, so it's going to start here with me, and, and it's, it, I'm going to demonstrate my belief in the four-hour day by, by, by having this. Uh, this uh, is where this is where I I didn't make this up, but I like the phrase. Yeah, is boutique radicalism. Well, that's why I'm saying it. Maybe is maybe it's transcending boutique radicalism by actually starting with her own practice and her own uh, situation. Because after all, she's uh, a professor. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, but but you know, she she's going to lose. Uh, potential who knows if she is between I ten and twelve and four and six, she's going to lose potential sales. So it's kind of noble sacrifice. <laughs> no sales. She doesn't care about sales. No? Oh, right. Okay, well, um, it, 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 the endeavor did well remind me. I want not the issue. The issue is what she, watch, what she wants is prestige. Yes. All right. I, I'm going to bring in Noah here, but I do want to just um, uh, say that, you know, it's funny because that, that it's the art world calling for a four-hour day because um, it reminds me of a, 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 a wonderful old story that, um, you know, in Israel, um, they... Uh, they have the Sabbath, but they basically, they used to have a six-day week, and then there was this um, movement to try to get a five-day week. And so right quite early in the state, somebody went to the Prime Minister, who was a, a wit by the name of Levi Eshkol, and said, uh, Prime Minister, we need to work to get a five-day week. And uh, he said, well, because he's thinking about the Israeli public, he said, that's ambitious. Let's start them off on a three-day week and then see if they can go to a four-day week and then eventually <laughs> perhaps they'll, they'll work a five-day week. Okay, so uh, somehow with artists, yes, a four-hour day might be ambitious, but from the other angle. Well, I mean, it's like an, it's an old idea. It goes back yes. to, I mean, you know, she's got the wobbly propaganda up in there. I mean, this is something that has been a dream for a long time and I think is... I mean, I don't know. I, I have a hard time getting past my own preoccupations about this stuff when thinking about this show because this is something that I'm really interested in and it's something that I've been talking with people a lot about lately that, like, um, I think it's especially because of the election. There's a big discussion about outsourcing and jobs and stuff. A lot of jobs are being lost merely because of automation and the wobblies and the Marxists and stuff from the 19th century and into the early 20th century talked about, you know, um, machines and automation should be allowing more leisure time for people. And mm. it j instead, it just means more subjugation, more um, tenuous pay, more tenuous employment. And, um, you know, how do we, how do we put like the means of production to work for the laborer. And um, uh, we've got a better chance of doing that now than ever before, but we don't have any sort of like political structure or social right. structure, or economic structure in place to take advantage of that. And as much as I think that like, yeah, this is like a 
topic of conversation that needs to be part of everyday cultural life. I'm also sympathetic with the jab at like, oh, this is like starting in the gallery and, you know, mm. this like, uh, you know, much more well-to-do sort of Chelsea space is like making mm. this an issue. And right, yeah, yeah. See, what bothers me is, uh, maybe this is delusional, but if I really extrapolate, I think about the the real, uh, if you, if you, extrapolate to, to the abs all the way you get Mao's cultural revolution mm. you get Cambodia you get people want she wants to revert it seems like to an agrarian society I mean I, that's what oh. that's what this she, she wrote this thing uh, Checklist: Capitalism must die. The patriarchy is a pyramid. Right, it's a checklist you choose because that's a question first. Question when, wh when you're feeling eco-faggy, you think. And these are the things. Then there's a list. Obviously, so that really she thinks. But eco-faggy is why we may, may need to start the discussion. What does that mean? That's why I say that's why we may need to start the conversation well because, I because uh, you can't fill out the questionnaire if you don't know what eco-faggy is. It says here, when you're feeling eco-faggy, you think, and then there's Well, a let's list. all assume that we feel eco-faggy. Okay. Then, then, therefore, then capitalism must die. The patriarchy is a pyramid scheme. Human supremacy is a myth. Omnicide, killing everything, can't be the only option. Leave it on the ground. Degrowth now. Stop the clocks. Question the unquestioned. Earth, the future doesn't need us. Welcome to the misanthropocene. What? what I mean, I don't... I don't think it's what a is really this a program. Uh, what is she's not. She's not part of Bernie Sanders' team. Obviously, it's not. <laughs> it's not geared towards. Um, it's. It's an art. She's an artist. You know. Uh, I. I right. That doesn't explain anything. No. It's. It's <laughs> a gesture. Artist. It's a gesture. Okay. A gesture right? towards what? She's it's making you think about these issues, and it's her. It's her shea butter. I think, unlike the um, like the Situationist International figures who really wanted to, you know, interrogate, uh, you know, cap late capitalist production mm. and the consumer society and all of this theory, instead of just, you know, writing theory and not making art, she's using the structure that um, is open to her and she's bringing up these issues and she's demonstrating it. So I think that, you know, either by just reading and polemicizing and um, maybe writing tracks versus mm -hmm. utilizing the space where mm. she's invited to operate and, uh, and having the gallerists allow her to do it because it's not really productive for the gallerists to have to take a challenge of working with an artist where there's so many artists that can come in to ask them to change their um, you know, opening hours, to have mm. the gallery half hung, to have the artist coming in and talking all day. I mean, it's really disrupting the space. So yeah. I think that you know, she's utilizing the space that's offered to her to make the viewer, the participant, mm. the spectator, um, you know, really um, grapple with these issues. Right. Did it make you grapple with them? Well, absolutely made me want to, you know, think about um, what was on her Kindle. questionnaire, oh right. what was the book, I would like to read it, and also I'd like to go back and see how the exhibition actually progresses. You can't mm. just walk in one day. Yeah, every really day a new, full experience a new photograph is added to the installation. see the progression mm. of the installation. Can we begin to think about the photography? Because that's, that's how, that was her initial claim to uh, attention, was as a photographer. Um, 
and her early work had a kind of uh, lyrical, bucolic kind of exploration of um, uh, the queer scene in the countryside, and it had a kind of um, uh, grand moan sort of feeling to the it. The queer, queer scene in the countryside. Yes, yes. There is one. I am, you know, hmm. uh, it's not just Amy Steiner, but also... Uh, but I'm, I mean, I wonder, like, is she advocating communism? Is she advocating revolution? I is think she, I think is she's she just trying to alter one consciousness at a time? I mean, t to me, a lot of what she's... Like, Michael Asher's, his gesture when he was asked to be in the Whitney Biennial, I think, was to keep the museum open 24 hours a day. It's right. Like it's she like wouldn't like that, would she? Like, altering the institution's hours is, like, a cliché. Right. So... It's not right. very original. Also, the, the artist is present. All right, so we've seen that too. So I think you're. So I think now you're it's a slightly well literalist, programmatic. In fairness, I these seem to be like a lot of assumptions about like that she's advocating advocating for Maoism and like uh, some sort of like uh, uh, um, whatever. But or that, that she's, she's like yeah, unoriginal and 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 reductive or or or. Um, I, I just I don't see any of that here. I I do see like the misanthropy, it, which is something I'm totally sympathetic to. And no, this is she. The word is mis mis. She plays in language a lot. It I don't. It's post. It's supposed post to be funny, but I don't think it's yeah, very funny know, either. Okay, but well, it's, it's post anthropocentric view. That's I think what what it's what it is, and that's that that has validity. It has to have validity. And it's responding to. It's of shows over the past couple of years who have mm. tried to take the Anthropocene as like a uh, theme It's a trendy, it's another trend, it's just, but look, all right, so say everybody starts in the United States, starts working only four hours a day, or we stop consuming as much. Start, start, sort of cease effort, just relax. <laughs> we would be invaded and taken over. This is a very sound argument against her position, but <laughs> we're not really here to debate her position. We're here to discuss her show. So she has a position, just as uh, uh, just as uh, Johnson has a the other Johnson has a position, just as um, you know, no doubt, Miss um, um, Ashheim and Ms. Uh, Clay have positions. Every artist has a position. She uh, grounds her position into the work in in a, a more demonstrative way, but but it's she's still an artist, so. Let's think about the photography. I mean, is does is um, is that photography? Um, how how integral is that? Is that working? Is that um actually? There's one photograph that the uh, uh, person in the gallery explained to me that I found uh, that didn't move me, which was it's a picture of a guy in a in a hazmat suit wielding a, uh, a weed beater. Yes, in a New York City park, the reason he's wearing a hazmat suit and a and a gas mask is because they've been spraying Roundup to kill weeds in the city parks. So when the guy comes to actually just trim the lawn, he has to wear he has to wear this nice. protective yeah. suit because the the grass is full of poison. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great thing to call that's to our attention and to yeah. to so it's got poignancy. Yeah, yeah, it's got power. Kudos yeah. for that. Yeah, it's the roundup that causes... Well, she had a photograph that said, you know, advocating a four-day week with sort of, um, you know, um, paste-up um, 
broadsides that she photographed in a um, ATM machine that had graffiti, anti-capitalist graffiti. Um, and I don't think that she was, she's actually advocating mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. a literal system, you know, of a four-day week or, you know, that we all go to like a perpetual burning man. I think that she <laughs> wants to bring these issues to the fore. Yes. And I think the way that she uses photography is also in a, a type of, um, I'd say like a cinema verte um, kind of documentary style. It's not like a framed, you know, aesthetically pleasing image. And the way that she's installing it, it's a very, you know, and it's this kind of ephemeral, manner where it's not this rigid, you know, product. So I think she's really mm. sort of demonstrating her ideas in the way, like, her photographs are um, installed and, like, how she sort of positions photography also. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've always found her to be a, a thoughtful photographer. But also that kind of way of playing, I'm playing devil's advocate. That's fine. That way of playing with photography also is very familiar. If you think of like Wolfgang Tillman's that sort of magazine kind of. Well, can layout. I really object to the, that? That's what you do mm. is you, you say that if there's a, a historical precedent in a way that artists work, that that's a negative against the artist. The artists are building no, on a whole a, series of strategies that have been used effectively, yeah. and they're using those in a present day situation and there's a whole history of these strategies being used and just because Asher's used it before doesn't mean it's not relevant today you know yeah. I mean after all I mean if you if you try, try to apply that apply a model to uh, old master painting you can say oh Rembrandt's cut this deposition but he got that from Rubens yes, all right all right that's I accept that but I think it yeah. should be it should be pointed out that that it, should it be does come in, in... It's worth pointing out if it helps uh, us enrich our interpretation of what she's doing now. Otherwise, it sounds like you're just bashing someone on the head for not being a total original. And how can anyone be a total original in a, in a culture which builds upon other culture? And, and different, no different artists using the same images can yield completely different things. I mean, a monochrome is not just like a monochrome depending on who's making it and why and how. Yeah, when I mentioned de Buffet in relation to the first room of uh, Rashid Johnson, it wasn't to bash Rashid Johnson for not inventing Art Brute. It's, for, it's, it's to say that he's referencing that, and that's a layer in the appreciation of the work. So we could do the but same with Amy Stoner here. I think it enriches the work as well. Yeah, we could say, like, like Wolfgang Tillmans, she's uh, destabilizing our notion of the photograph in different formats. That would be a strength, not a, not a weakness, right? One thing that I would say about this photographs is that I read them as pretty banal and sort of treacly, except in the context of a, a misanthropic critique that like, okay, if you've got like a photograph of this guy like weed whacking and he has to wear a protection suit because mm. of like Roundup, like Roundup's actually like less toxic than caffeine. Maybe the more toxic thing is mm. the invention of St. Augustine grass, which is like the biggest uh, cash crop in America, the d the development of parks. Roundup is less toxic. Roundup yeah, because the cause of gluten intolerance. It's an absolute menace. It's not. It's it's <laughs> less toxic than caffeine. You can look it up. It's totally true. It's this guy on the uh, uh, Montana. I think Montana that we need to think. I think that one of the things that wow. about about ecological and labor yes. uh, advocacy is that it's not 
thought about very carefully. And so we have ATMs that are like graffiti to like bring down capitalism without any sort of like thought. And that's like kind of a big problem that I think that she's really effectively drawing our attention to. Like the idea of um, the supremacy of humanity is like actually really questionable when you think about it. And I think that like, you know, maybe a bigger problem then Roundup is like the reduction of nature into this two-dimensional absurd idea that like a park is a natural thing, that grass is a natural thing, that our relationship to the world is a, is a, you know, that we are unnatural in some way. Like all this stuff is like, um, how do I back up and say this? Um, we are shaping the world. We have shaped the world for millennia. Like, mm. uh, and every species does this. Yeah. The biggest extinction event in the entire world was caused by bacteria, probably. And so we need to kind of back up and think closely and carefully about how we address topics like the dangers of capitalism, the dangers of um, uh, global warming, of being unecological, of labor relations, of class and uh, the U.S.'s relationship with other countries, all this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. which I think is like a really useful thing that is sort of like that she gets at in the way that she uses these photos and frames them with the text and frames them with the reading and all this other stuff. Right. Cool. I think it's that we've touching on so many good topics <laughs> in both these exhibitions that it's a it's the time to bring in the audience. Um, so we got a roving mic, I believe. Is that correct, um, Joel? Is there a Mike, that's going round. Ah, uh, where's Joel? Where's Joel? <laughs> um, well, perhaps we'll, you'll just have to project. If you wouldn't mind, maybe standing and uh, or, or speaking. Uh, I, I'm, I'm nervous. We're going to lose. Um, uh, Greg, do we have the the mic to for for uh, Greg in the sound room? Do we have the mic? Where's Greg? Oh, this feels like a science fiction film. We're on our own here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, marvelous. Great. <laughs> Who has the question? Here is, here is Joel Whitney with the mic. So, um, so comments on either, either Rashid Johnson or on um, uh, A.L. Steiner. Hello. Uh, uh, I'll start off by saying thank it's you. It's not on, I think. Oh. It's on, it is on. It is okay. on. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I guess uh, with uh, A.L. Steinman? Yes. Um, I guess my question would be, um, after hearing you talk about uh, her work, um, do you see her work as more... It seems there are two readings here, with it being in a gallery, with it like an artist commenting on these, like a four-hour work week, uh, what's it advocating? Do you see it more as like a sensational a proposal it or a commentary on these sometimes sensational things regarding like humans effect on the natural landscape and how that can become kind of uh, like a one way or another sort of issue or is it do you see it as something else wait could you could you restate that a little bit yeah for sure I apologize um, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, do you think she's directly calling out uh, human interaction with the natural landscape, or is she criticizing or calling out the commentary surrounding human interaction to the natural landscape? Like 
Right, right. It, uh, um, I think both. Can you rephrase the question? Uh, well, yeah, okay. I, I th think that I she's starting a conversation, you know, from a critical standpoint, mm -hmm. and she's throwing out these issues, highlighting them, and she wants us to engage, like, with her questionnaire um, mm -hmm. and take a position. I think that's what she's demanding of mm -hmm. the spectator, not to be passive, not to just look at, a, you know, a prefab constructed, mm -hmm. e even if it was a polemic type of, you know, politically motivated, you know, um, exhibition. She wants us to see the process and to yeah. see what our position is within that process. The, the questionnaire can is can a parody, isn't can it? Can though? I mean Karen, did you find it so the the event, the the show as a whole, surprising? Were you like uh, excited by the like this is something cool? Uh, not, um, did I haven't move thought it? about this stuff before, I or in this way. I haven't seen a show done this it's way. It's typical so for Chelsea, for a Chelsea space to, you know, have a show that requires that much stepping out of the program. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't know that the gallery was going to be closed at 4 o'clock. That was a surprise, you know. Um, and to walk into a gallery where there's, like, little artwork, I mean, yeah, mm. that does definitely have a kind of shock value. To see that you know the artist is going to be coming in performing and you know yeah it's an atypical type of presentation. I it's mean, a, not it's to an, say that it's I've a dematerialized show, isn't it's it? It's anti-art object. It's it's very much a throwback to the 70s and to when you would go into a gallery and Joseph Boyce would be in there in his hat and a microphone and nothing or else. Or Martin Creed, yes. lights go on and off. Yes, so it, it has that conceptual kind of uh, underpinning. Yeah, yeah, that that vibe of don't. If you're here for an aesthetic experience, you're part of the problem, sort of thing. I don't know if it's finger pointing. I think it's wants or to you want yeah, to position. Or something more important than art is going on here in the gallery today. Well, it's art, and, I, and yeah. art is important. Yes. You know? uh, but don't, don't, doesn't something like that have a lot more, what, what would you call it, shock value or excitement or novelty tw 40 years ago? than it does now since we've been, we've studied, the, the, these kind of gestures are in the art history books now. They're can canonized. That this in a way mirrors the question, which is, is it about X or is it about the commentary on X? So um, is, is it, uh, you know, because what you're saying is, because um, what you're asking is implies that A.L. Steiner's principal interest is in expanding the envelope of art, whereas it seems obvious, or it seems that to others that in fact she could care less about the envelope of art and that she uh, wants us to change um, the way we do business with oh, I wouldn't the planet. separate it that way. I don't know. No? What because you, you said it wouldn't have had more impact 40 years ago. It wouldn't have had more environmental impact 40 years ago. It would have had more art Conceptually, impact. yeah. Yeah. But it's so, so in other words, is it conceptual art or is it art about an idea, that, that which is a different thing? Oh. Right? Did you find the ideas, like, did they blow your mind? Were you experienced? I thought that it, they gave me something to think about that it's very yeah. important. That you haven't thought about in the past couple of years? Our society. I mean, Noah obviously has thought this about this, like, up and down and sideways and forwards. Did you find find it, like... Gave you more food for thought? I was happy to see 
You're happy because it affirms something you already yeah, felt. Yeah, and like, you know, maybe that's just like me finding myself in the gallery, or maybe that is me being pleased that someone else agrees with me or something <laughs> like that. Like or that it could be really you, egotistical. Or maybe you're pleased that someone else who's got some particular power and sway is having people think about issues that you've thought about. Yep. Like if I hear on the radio, if I turn on the radio and somebody's talking about uh, an artist I know very well and saying things I know all about, I'm pleased because... Yep. Uh, the great unwashed are going to hear about this artist as well, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to move you for you to be pleased that it's happening. Mm. Does that make sense? But let's uh, it, let's let's. But let's I think take it should. If for a critic, it yes, should. It but sh yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Good. Let's let's take some more on 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 these issues. Yes. Mike. Thank you. Please. Hello. Hello. Um, Listening to your opinions is was very interesting, um, but with the Johnson exhibition, I was just um, kind of interested in the fact that like um, no one may be caught on to the fact that uh, he was referring to the domestication of Africa. Like you walk in and all the tiles are look like product, but that's how Africa has been used for like for many centuries as product. At first, like they would get the Africans and use them as slaves. Um, in Africa, like, they use people to mine the diamonds. They use them to get different materials. Uh, when I saw the plants, I was thinking, like, that's domestication as well. You're getting, like, beautiful plants, like, that look very tropical, and you're putting them in pots. And in the pots are very grid-like, like, very, um, like, almost like jail cells. So I feel like it does have an uh, impact on race, but moreover, it's like domestication and how, um, I guess in, in theory you could say like the white man, but how um, outside influence has uh, taken what Africa had as a culture and changed, excuse me, changed it all around. So I don't know if maybe that was any of your opinions. I think that's an interesting reading. Yeah, in I do too. I yeah. think that's a really oh, that's cool. That's a great, a rich reading. And may I, may I say, I, I usually say this, and I forgot to say it this time. Um, unlike most moderators, I prefer comments to questions. So, yeah, uh, so you, you don't you. don't <laughs> need to phrase it as a question. Just share us, share with us your view, and and, and enliven and enrich the conversation that way. I That'd wonder if I mean I th I like that reading too. I wonder if if that's what. Rashid is thinking. Well, who cares? He, he, he's cares? given us the, the work. It belongs to us now. So no, and it doesn't. Yeah. I just, I'm curi I'd be curious, curious yeah. what he would say. To yeah, it's got like a lot of like, there are a lot of points throughout the show that you can point to that, that support that reading, I think. Yeah. Oh, oh really? I totally. think so. And resources, natural resources. Yeah. And it's, it, it's mm -hmm. The kind of materials that are being used, the kind of plants. Yeah. Starting with people, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ah, right. That's, well, that's, a, w well, that's a very good way out for the artist as well. That's fantastic. That's 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 how a, that's why it's a panel, not a lecture, to to really circulate those ideas and somebody to offer a critique and then somebody else to critique that critique in a way that actually goes back to the work. Fantastic. Uh, so, Roman, uh, as a final Hello. comment. Um, just regarding the, uh, the Steiner show, I, I found it to be kind of paradoxical, the fact that the hours at which the gallery is, is open, 12 to 4, happen to be probably the most inconvenient hours for the people who are suffering under a, uh, a non-four-hour <laughs> four work day. 
and uh, people get off work at nine to five, get off work at five, you know, they're not going to have that hour to, you know, check out the show before the gallery closes. So I just found it to be kind of a weird, almost paradoxical inconvenience for the people who probably need this kind yes. of message the most. I think that backs up Ken's notion of boutique uh, socialism. Well, what about yes. the weekends? And then also people who are really dispossessed, um, you know, they don't, they're not working at all. Uh, They've got time to go to the galleries. I think, <laughs> I, right, yeah, okay. Let them go to the galleries. Yes, let them eat cake. Mm. All right, fantastic. Let's have our second uh, video and move on to, this, to the second <laughs> set of shows that we'll be looking at uh, this evening of Ashheim and Clay. So, um, with Eve Ashheim, a, a, a project room show, but a... a to my eye, a rich nugget of a show in, in the back room there at Laurie Bookstein. Um, with these two last shows we're looking at, taking us into a, a very different register as far as um, uh, the function of art and, and the, the aesthetic. Um, drawings, photograms, um, black and white, white and black. Um, it, uh, the, the abstraction of both of them um, makes it almost um, a, a textu textual, rather, a, a, sorry, a textural um, difference rather than something of a fundamentally different vision going on between the two mediums. Anybody like to uh, join me in kind of exploring what it actually, if it, what it actually amounts to, what it actually means to have those those two mediums side by side. If, if there's any kind of sense of ontology of one coming before the other and leading to the other, or is it a kind of um, just uh, different formats for exploring um, comparable um, senses and sensations? Well, I've always liked photograms a lot. I, I feel like I don't really understand photography as like a medium, um, but like there's something about the tactility of like making a very direct gesture and having it photographically reproduced that I just I think is really yeah. So the photogram is is a sort of cameraless photograph, as, yeah. uh, as it were, um, yeah. a way of generating images gesturally rather than um, uh, uh, just using light, but not not using yeah. I mean, I think that there's like different well. ways to do it, right? There's yes. like like man ray or something like that or you can draw directly on the film I think and and so it was interesting to see these two very similar sort of like approaches to making imagery that I was I don't know I feel like I feel like I like the photograms better that they feel more mm. sort of like finished than the drawings do right how are they literally made I can't quite figure it out I could be wrong about this, but I believe you just take a photosensitive. No, how does she make? Oh, how these? does she make these? I don't know. Well, what I took away from the drawings juxtaposed to the photograms was just the formal aspects, the purely formal mm. aspects mm -hmm. of the human gesture versus the notion of drawing with light. And that was my entryway into the series, and I thought they, they had a very poetic kind of a very poetic kind of gesture with this kind of inverse of drawing with the hand versus mm. drawing with light. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, it's this isn't the kind of work that gets me going. Mm -hmm. You know, right. like the other, you know, 
two shows, I really felt as though there was so content, there were, you know, there was something that you want to take away from or revisit. This I kind of got it very cerebral, like in a cerebral manner, but and in this in kind of a very formal, intellectual way. But then after that, I it didn't really do that much for me personally. Yeah, I thought, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're elegant. They look nice, but I mean, you're trying to give them. Maybe you can help us out a little more. You call it a rich nugget of a show. Audience later, please. Uh, We've got to we got to sweat here and find our our way into this. Um, I can see that there are um, people in the audience who would um, want to excavate the nuggets. No, I just I just I just had a thought. Yeah. You know, uh, and I haven't seen it, but Julie Maretu has a show up. Yeah, um, it's comparable mm -hmm. aesthetic in some ways. And with, so I'm wondering, like, maybe it's because of the intimate scale, because they suggest sort of some kind of. They're, you know, it's all on the surface, but again, there's that sense of space that might yes. be sort of cosmic or something. Right. That I wonder what they'd look like if they were huge. Um, well, I think it, uh, what I like better is, is to think about them in relation to Julie Marito. Because um, uh, um, she makes very big works. There's a difference in scale, but I think there's m there are differences in more than just the scale, and, and, and I think that these are... Um, Less con less uh, calculated and more intuitive than Marito, I think. Sure, yeah. uh, they're both lovely to look at, and they're both uh, they both have a kind of cosmic feeling. But um, I think, uh, and I, I would defend both of them, but they come from I think quite radically different sensibilities, and it's that that, that difference isn't is ex is almost symbolized in scale rather than uh, um, just to do with scale. That that. Um, that uh, Ashheim's is um, a kind of intuited abstraction of um, uh, a felt space, whereas the Maritu is uh, setting into motion um, a kind of calculus that will um, suggest uh, space. And so that, 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 that there's um, a, a different, I think, one's more hands-on, as it were, and the other's more cerebral. That's that would be my take on that. Well, Maritu came to mind when I saw the pieces. Also, I just in the kind of layering and sort of this kind of mylar texturing of the surface. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it sort of ends there. And I also think in Maritu's, although it has that kind of um, aesthetic or visual quality, there are other constructs of mapping and mm -hmm. of place. And I mean, there's something beyond just the markings right. and I felt I feel like if you if that's the kind of art that you're interested it's successful if it's just poetic gestures and formal mm. you know inversions uh, I feel the Marie too goes deeper I mean it starts there but then it goes deeper so I, 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 I maybe demand more right the issue is ambition do you what does that mean I don't, I don't understand what that means. I think do you mean career ambition or do you mean no, uh, no, ambition, ambition in the work, in the work to make the work take I on. I don't think more. that uh, I don't think Ashheim is less ambitious than Ritu. I just think her ambitions uh, occupy a different. Not that she personally is no, 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 ambitious no, no, the work, or not, the work, but the is the work ambitious? 
work is plenty ambitious. It doesn't matter that it's small. It doesn't matter that it's not using algorithms. It, it, it's, it can be ambitious by um, being about other things. I think that actually a more interesting point of comparison than Maritu is the painter Julia Fish, uh, who we saw at uh, David Nolan last season and at the Whitney Biennial, um, who, who often who generates a kind of abstract painting that, that recalls um, earlier, earlier 20th century abstraction, but works conceptually from um, ground plans of the, the space where the paintings are made. And so I think with Ashheim, there's, there's the architectonic quality is uh, very present. I saw some of that. Of I made a um, comparison to Agnes Martin, you know, right. a little bit with those gestures, but Agnes Martin goes does more for me because this the whole notion of the grid, of sort of this like you know this kind of repetitive mm. thought gesture. I, 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 I it maybe the scale as well. Mm. I just I don't know. Um, but I it, it's interesting. What's interesting to me here in this discussion um, is that when we were looking at uh, A. L. Steiner, we had a great storyline to discuss: the four-hour week uh, and and ecology and uh, and and roundup. Okay. But we didn't really talk about her photographs. We didn't get into imagery and how those uh, images are constructed particularly. Now we're talking about somebody where we, we've got no storyline. We've, just, we've just got to focus our mind. God, gee, what are we going to talk about, you say? What are we going to talk about? The images. Well, that's all we can talk about is what's there. And um, because there isn't that backup story, and we actually have to engage with the images, we're, we're saying, oh, it's less ambitious than Marie too, or this one more, or, or because there isn't the grid and there isn't this. Well. Yeah, there isn't a storyline. There isn't a, a well but because we, we actually have to well look at art. No, but I think that we need a narrative. We need to be the artist's job is to bring us into the space of the work, to bring us into the space of the work. And I think mm. that in this particular case, that the artist is you know putting out some propositions, and there's an idea of a poetic space, but they're not engaging the viewer into the space of the work. And I'm interested in that space, but I don't right. think that I don't feel the artist has engaged me. That's just oh, my takeaway. That's that's a l totally legitimate. Um. I mean, I think that there is a story that that this is the inheritance of like mid-century abstract expressionist formalism. I mean, mm. um, you know, or even further back, suprematism and yeah, yeah. cubism and futurism I mean, and, and, and the Holy Nage. Yeah. And if I look at them, I think of um, uh, well, I think of Bryce Martin, um, which then yeah. I think of like His Pollock, drawings, and yeah. it just kind of like goes back from there. Franz Klein, maybe. Franz Klein, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, definitely Franz Klein. That's so. Really part of the question, I mean, I don't know what else this artist does. Is this her? This is this much like, like this. sometimes you'll see a show of Bryce Martin drawings, and it's yeah. it's like minor. Because his paintings are major. That's the major thing he does. A big I'd show. Of a big show of hers will be a lot more of these, but <laughs> it would just be these. I mean, I think this is her idiom. So it'd be li like a... And I think that's okay. I think uh, that that should... Well, like it's more than okay. I mean, with James yeah, Sienna, this is like This is sufficient for like an artist yeah, to do yeah. this. Um, yeah. I think, I think that James... I think... Uh, you know, I don't know. Is that, is, is that like a compliment to say, yeah, that's okay. You don't have to do more than that. I agree well with Ken here. Like, very rarely will I agree with Ken, but I think <laughs> in this case... But, like, what else do you want? I don't understand. Like, why is this not... Why is this, like, 
unambitious? Why is this insufficient? Mm. Why is this like lacking something? It doesn't like like what what are we asking for here? Exactly. No big yeah. questions. I think when you're in that room, um, you you I fe I felt, for instance, in that room that, that there was more to busy myself in unpackaging the range of gestures and expressions and, and emotions in that small room with you know, a, a dozen each, of, uh, a half dozen or so each of in those mediums than there was in the first room at Rashid Johnson where it was essentially one idea repeated in several big canvases. So it was one idea with a strong narrative and uh, interesting symbolism outside of the work or um, a dozen or so small framed works uh, but with a with a whole range of uh, uh, different kind, some some were more grid-like, some were more uh, had had more of a kind of uh, spiral. Some um, some were busy gestures, some were sparse. So um, and and they uh, in and each each gesture elicited different emotion. Yeah, I find I find them kind of like they're all made out of the same kind of gesture, with the same degree of focus or close to the same degree of focus. I find them kind of monotonous. I mean, I like, I like small work, but, but these seem uh, vague to me. Yeah. Hmm. They seem to me like, um, like musical variations and that it's um, um, like listening to minimal music where um, you, you have to pay m much more attention to incremental change and it's not an obvious change of key or, or, or pitch. And um, that actually, yeah, I, I think they, they do aspire to the condition of music. They have, they aspire to the condition of That's Syria. a good description of Agnes Martin. I think it's a good aspiration. It, if it, but I, I don't think it follows through, you know? Like, I think there's one note. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, but you can have four critics listening to um, Steve Reich or somebody. And uh, two of them will say, yeah, the subtle nuances are really so, so there's a whole universe here. And the other two will say, yeah, it's just serial music, it's background, it's background music, and it's, it's, it, um, it's not very ambitious. So, I mean, you know, I think one could, I think... In no, that Steve Reich is hugely ambitious. Well, you'll be one of those two critics, and someone else will be <laughs> one of the other two critics. So, oh, in his uh, time, he's like, you know, doesn't matter in his time. And the point is, uh, you know, the, the same, just the same comments could it be made. It does matter what time you're in. Um, I, I'm saying that. Well, I'm saying. Well, here, here's the proof. Wor she's working as a, a in a very, you know, conventional, traditional uh, format. Uh, not that conventional or traditional. No, no, not that much more conventional on than, on than Rashi Johnson. I mean, I mean, Rashi Johnson is within. Uh, as you uh, well with Steiner, you were more efficient in telling us who sh you reminded her of. But, but both those artists belong to a trajectory of. Um, uh, post-minimal conceptual installation work, identity work, etc. And there are tropes and there are precedents and there's a, uh, there's a canon for those people. And so it's no, there's no less so or more so with, with Ashheim. But somehow, because they're small and because they're abstract, it, it feels like she's being saying, oh, well, that's very traditional. I don't so. think that's why. No? I think it's, it's not something about the work. You know, there's nothing wrong with an artist, yeah. you know, making intimate works, small works, you know, mm. works that deal with formal issues, but I think, you know, you need to, it needs to bring you forward, and right. I just, that's maybe, valid, yeah. I, you know, you you the for you, they're like, umph. I want, yeah, yeah, I want them to be more adventurous, you know, maybe more, maybe, I mean, does she ever 
is there ever color involved? Yeah, subtle traces of color. Yeah. Well, it's not Van Gogh, but I mean, there's some color. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it looks a little too practiced. Right. That could be true. I mean, I don't really have a lot to object to here, but I don't have anything to like really champion. I think that like, I think it's okay for it not to raise issues, mm -hmm. but. Um, but if it's not doing that, it's probably yeah. not going to do a lot else. Well, let's move our attention to BAM and see if that blows us. So, um, uh, the author of Experienced, um, uh, did you tune in and turn out and drop out to the, to the work of uh, Lauren <laughs> Clay? Huh. I should have, but no, I went straight. Uh, I think I, I would have liked it better, you know. If you dropped some, like yeah. No, I, I wasn't actually putting on the... I was... I was but I'm, I'm serious. Under yeah. the influence uh. of what? What? Under the influence of what? Uh, anything, some hallucinogen, you know, more or less mild. But... Yeah. <laughs> but the, the work in but itself... I, no, I... The work in itself didn't constitute... A, a, didn't give you a trip. No. No. Um... So let's, let, let's... I didn't quite... I, I th this is where I thought, is this really... Is this art? Why are we looking at this? Right. <laughs> well, partly because it's in Brooklyn, and partly <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> there, is a, there is a responsibility oh, to... No, I mean, there's tons of great things happening in Brooklyn all the time, of course. But um, uh, this, this, is, this is one of our shows that was in Brooklyn. And, um, the, the, the and because... Um, I think it's kind of fun and exciting that um, uh, an institution that's as well uh, visited as BAM uh, should should make sure that uh, all of the arts are represented and and to sort of live up to the um, uh, the, ch the challenge and the the responsibility of having a great building like that of of, of um, you know seeing about of, of having these temporary murals and so these lunettes are filled and the doors are filled. Um, it didn't blow me away, because I think if she'd been given a bigger budget, uh, you know, it would have been great to, um, to, to fill more of the space, but I, I, it had elegance, it had some swirl and movement. And did you find it fun, No, I loved it. I no, thought it was fabulous. Fun? Yes. First of all, I loved the way that she, you know, utilized the architecture itself yeah. to sort of animate the space. And made the, she made an installation in the sculpture by filling in these absent spaces in the architecture. And then she used this um, material that was a, you know, this, this fabricated, you know, plastic material to fill in, you know, this idea of this foam arm. And she's like sort of taking this um, uh, architecture that's, you know, this neoclassical Roman architecture, and she's bringing it into a contemporary context mm. and mirroring the marble that's on the floor. And she's she just really brought the space to life. You're seeing these absent spaces of architecture that she's animating with this, you know, technique of um, just really um, pasting on uh, this sort of foam marb vinyl. I, I just thought she yeah. did a great job. And the marbling is, is also recalls the the, end, the bookends of antiquarian um, books. Like Florentine handmade books. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any feelings on on, on her work, Dylan? Uh, well, I didn't visit the yeah. show, but I saw. Um, uh, I saw someone do this last season, so I guess it's right. okay for me to 
Rob Stewart talked about a show he hadn't seen. So well, but also you were drafted to do the panel one minute after it was supposed to begin. So I think that's so uh, so in, in itself a rather good experience. Wait, you saw a show similar no by no the no same uh, artist? He, he, saw Noah, he saw Rob Stewart um, on this stage. Talk about a show. That opine on some shows he didn't get to. I think but you can get an idea oh from yeah. the slides, definitely. I think you know think this is like the yeah. this is the this is the show where I guess I would be sympathetic to to Ken's critique of some of these other ones of like I've seen you know I've seen this done before mm -hmm. and I don't I guess I just don't see what the big deal is. I mean. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It may not be a big deal. It may be a, it may be a, a small, nice deal, you know. A, a sweet sure. Deal. Um, so, uh, well, I, I wonder if if I didn't went in there and I didn't know that uh, that this mm. was being showcased uh -huh. as art. Yes, I was there just to see a movie. Would I notice it? Well, I think there's such a contradiction between the space itself and you know the spaces that she's filling in, and I think that it's this kind of invisible architecture, and you kind of don't really think about that space so much, but when she sort of contrasts it with this artificial, mm. like faux decor, mm -hmm. you you are, you see, oh, that's also just a plaster sort of replication of classical, mm -hmm. you know, um, architectural elements, and she kind of like animates the space in a way that you see the architecture like its original sources, and yes. then you see its kind of replication, right. and then you see the faux techniques and. I don't know. I think that it's much more effective. Yeah. She uses it as sort of a structure to create an entire installation. And by the way, you know, here's a review panel that's looking at the visual arts. I mean, there are, one could have a review panel where we would be looking at a movie, a book, uh, a theater production, uh, and some visual arts. So here we are already homed in on the visual arts, and we're getting kind of hot under the collar about you know, this is this is this really art? It could just be interior decor or something. But interior decor is an art form that deserves some scrutiny. And this is it seems to me uh, it seems to be better to have really well thought through decoration than sloppy, not well thought through fine art in a, an art gallery. And so that's how you feel about this. I, I think yeah, I think it's worth worthy of our attention without it having to be. Um, a major aesthetic the old statement. Days, but it's not in, she's not an interior designer. She's an artist, and she's she making an art piece. Yeah, that question doesn't really go anywhere for me. You know, like I mean, I, don't, I mean, yeah. it's not going back to that. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, you know, you. Okay, th 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 there's, I think, a category confusion sometimes that you, you know, uh, an artist, say, an artist decided to do dance. Um, well, you could say, well, let's think about it as dance, and how does it compare to other dance? And then you say, no, 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 she's an artist. This is so I mean, and it happens all the time. A lot and of so artists are doing stand-up comedy. Exactly. If you do, if you're an X and you do Y, it should be evaluated as Y, not as X. Um, to my to my way of thinking, this is this is okay. This is an ins a project, an installation. It's temporary, but it is um, she's using as her. So what are the criteria? In this well, case, she may be using the strategies of interior design, maybe the idea of like a wallpaper or, you know, some type of, you know, wallpaper, I would say. But that's as far as it goes in terms of, you know, materials of an interior designer. And I mean, she's definitely transforming the space. 
Well, and I, what I see but, is but just doing is spotlighting these architectural devices and I, elements. I, I, and I like the work. I think it's successful. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be sorry if BAM announced that they were so in love with it that, like the Eiffel Tower that was supposed to be temporary, they were going to keep this as permanent. <laughs> and it would be fine to me. But, um, um, okay. See, that's where, that's, I can imagine when that. And it, to me, it, to me it, it looks too... It looks too. It, it blends in. It looks. Well, it looks well. like okay. it was originally like that. Mm. I would want it, the distinction between what she did and what's there to be much more, uh, much greater. But I, I mean, I I agree with your reasoning. I just think I don't find it those that wallpaper isn't visually compelling to me. I like the it's way it's basically it's blown up photographs of her marbleized papers, right? Well, I think it's she yes, makes marbleized patterns yeah, on paper, and then she photographs it and makes it into a big vinyl thing, right? And then she situates it in very particular um, architectural right. elements, and um, I think it's a successful installation. You know, I think it's a successful decoration, and I don't think that we need to make such a major. Um, I don't think being an installation is superior to being a decoration if, it, if it's successful. But say, all right, so I walk in through this door and I look down there and I go, I didn't feel this. But yes. ideally, to me, I, I'd look and I'd see that lunette and I'd go, what the hell? And I'd go right to it and I'd want to see it. You know, it would be right. like visually that would be captivating. That would be more successful art and less successful decoration. That's true. Yeah, uh, like if Barbara Kruger did this. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, interior. She'd, she'd have a big message, and and we wouldn't think about. And it would be, it would have a big message, but it would also be. She's like a brilliant d uh, designer. It would, it would be visually. Yeah, you'd forget about Shakespeare or Chekhov. You'd just be thinking about Kruger for the rest <laughs> of the night. That's fine. But I, I, I think that this is a quieter, humbler kind of ambition. So it's subtle. and that right, the, the, well. the, the, the eye gets kind of soaked in to this unexpected sense of. Uh, actually, the the uh, public relations, uh, uh, the, the 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 press officer um, m gave her personal interpretation, which resonated with me. She said that um, it feels like the background, that the her material, her dec her her um, piece, is filling the entire rest of the world, as it were, and that we're seeing through these windows and doors what's actually behind there. I mean, if you pulled the, the walls away, you'd see more of that. Which is the Heraclesian flux. Right. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> okay. Um, audience, uh, I think there's some of you who certainly have things to say about Ashheim. We have some minutes left, and I'd love to hear comments on both these shows, Ashheim and Clay. Uh, comments are better at this stage than questions. Um, so let's just take get your take. I thought it was um, very nice to see small work in Chelsea. It's always welcome because anything has to be really big. So I thought the, um, uh, these photograms were really quite seductive. And that, that to me goes back to Rashid Johnson, which <coughs> was trying to fill up this enormous challenging space. And sometimes it felt a bit forced as opposed to these very small works. Right. Um, uh, you know, unlike, for example, their previous show about race, which is M Mark Bradford, 
I thought he occupied the space in a more natural and beautiful way. Mm, okay, good, thank you. I wanted to comment on um, Eve Ashheim's work because... Um, Could you speak up just a little bit? So I wanted to comment on Eve's work because um, I think something that was missed at the very beginning of the conversation was the fact that the um, we're dealing with a display of opposites with this work um, and shadow worlds. She's um, working with people in, um, the f in, the in her colleagues and they are f uh, making the photograms from the actual drawings. So the drawings are done on mylar, which is a light, um, um, uh, it captures light in a beautiful way and, and also casts a slight shadow on the wall behind of the, of the marks. I don't know if that was, if you caught that in your viewing. You mean the drawings are used to make the photograms? Right. But I'm not sure if in this show they were a one-to-one -one transaction. Right. You know. mm -hmm. um, so that changed the whole little um, quite lovely um, room, mm -hmm. in my view. Um, just, to th just to go conceptually that she's dealing with abstract relationships, and then she's dealing with the shadow world of that, those things. Thanks. Mm. Right. A sort of platonic layering of you know, the shadows of shadows. Yes. Any other comments on either of these shows or on, on the, the evening as a whole? Uh, yes, in the back row. Uh, wait for the mic, if you would. That'd be great. Hey, thank you. This, I just moved here. This is my first one of these, and I love the fact that you all can't agree on everything. Uh, it makes it really exciting. Um, my... my I guess my, what I'm wondering about, I haven't seen that show of the black and white abstract pieces, but... Yes, Eve Ashheim at Laurie Buxtein. Uh, I, some of them, from the, from the images, though, they felt like there were photographs that felt a little bit more like drawings, or they, the intention was to make them feel a little bit more like drawings, or, and vice versa, and it just reminded me of a, kind of a trend I saw about 12, 13 years ago, where I saw a lot of paintings being printed on really slick paper and mounted on corrugated aluminum to feel a little bit more like oil paintings. And I was just wondering if, um, uh, pontificating about if that's sort of something that's coming, that you've seen a bit of as you've walked around and seen things here, or photography feeling like painting, or painting feeling like drawing, or something along those lines. Um, I know a lot of photographers personally who are very proprietary about their photographs feeling like photographs, so. Yeah, that's a little off topic, but I mean, there was the, I think there was a, I don't think people are doing this as much anymore, but Jeff Koons, for instance, made a series of, quote, paintings that are inkjet printed on canvas mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. him in uh, making love with his ex-wife. And, I think ri ri and Richard Prince has has appropriated paintings from Insta or photographs from Instagram, printed them on canvas, and sold them as 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 paintings. Well, I also there was a trend, and I think it's still quite active, that photographers 
are making a s their photographs, printing them at a yeah. large scale of paintings. Exactly. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. This whole argument about uh, painting as art, is uh, photography as art, is, is of the, the scale and the... Um but I'm not sure that Eve... How do you say her name? Ashheim? Ashheim? Ashheim's work is trading in those kind of newfangled sort of arguments about photography. No, I don't think so either. Um, because it's, it's... I think she's just using it because it's, because it's, because it's a material... It's, not, it's photography, but it's not, s it's not camera work. It's not meta-photography. Yes, so it's in fact a print... It's a, it's a, it's a monotype using s uh, some of the materials that are used in photography, right. but it, they're not photographs. So um, that's... But I think what is interesting about the, the comment and the question is... is and, and it relates, uh, your point relates to Jennifer Riley's point, is that um, it's the contrast, the black and white to the, the white and black, is that um, uh, actually there is a photographic-like quality to her drawing, and um, it, with the sense of the blueprint in particular, um, and then, then there's the handmade, drawn aspect of the photo work. So I think that there is a self-conscious, there is a conscious and possibly enriching sort of dialectic of white and black and black and white. Mm -hmm. um, so cool, we've gone from black and white of uh, uh, Johnson through to the black and white of white and black of um, Ashheim. So there is some food for thought as we go out into the sultry night air. Um, you've all got the card, I hope, for the next panel. And please do, if, you, if any of you are involved in education, take a couple of extra cards, pin them up so that we can... Uh, Get get some more young people into this room and um, share these ideas. Are these people too old? They're much too old. <laughs> we need some new biomarkers. Too we old. Can talk to you about misanthropy. Bring your grandchildren next time. No, no. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was good. That was